Josh, you take up a lot of space up here, man. Good morning, Stonebridge. I appreciate the response, Robert. I thank you for that. <laughs> so, uh, my name is Greg Picklap. For those that do not know me or are new here by chance, uh, I am an elder here at Stonebridge, so I will be leading you through Proverbs 2 through 4. But most of you know me as Stacy's husband, Maddie's dad, Kenzie's dad, Riley's dad, and the guy with the pink hat on fantasy football weeks when I lose badly here at the local. <laughs> so, Pink hat, sparkly hat, when I am going to be greeting you later this month and early September, Derek will be happy to point me out, Travis will be happy to point me out, Randy will be happy to point me out, because I'll be at the door greeting you, welcoming you to church with a pink sparkly hat for losing badly in fantasy football league here at church. That is how people usually know me. And that begs the question, Greg, what does a pink sparkly hat have to do with the message this week? And we are talking about relationships. We are talking about relationships specifically with God this week, but relationships as a church. And Fantasy Football League, believe it or not, has a place in relationships here at Stonebridge. Our league was started as a means to connect with people outside of the traditional Sunday setting. And what happens is, is that as the months go by, we have a group text, and there is the general ribbing that happens of, hey, Greg, you had Tom Brady this week. I am so sorry. That is how bad I am at fantasy football right now. And then it becomes, hey, good game this week. You won top of the league. Great. And then it becomes, and then it says, how are you doing? And then, it, then we start talking about family and work and, and everything that went good or bad that week. That is how we use that as another tool here at Stonebridge to connect in relationship settings. Over the weeks, we have fun, conversation, getting in to know each other, and relationships are at the very core of what we have here at Stonebridge Church. On the back wall, as we've pointed out since they went up, as a family of Christ, cultivating Christ-centered relationships with each other. It, it, it's, our, it's our goal as a church to have relationships because as relationships through Christ is how we spread the gospel, how we help each other grow, and how we help each other as fellow believers. We come together to respect each other, to hold each other accountable, to cheer when things go good, to grieve when things do not go good. For the births, for the young kids you see in here, we've been there. For the funerals that we've had here, we've been here in grief. Those are relationships that we grow through Christ here at church and together as fellow believers. The final verses of Josh's sermon last week were Proverbs 133, but whoever listens to me will live securely and be undisturbed by the dread of danger. That's where I'm picking up now going through this week, but that is a perfect ending and a perfect intro to what we're going to be going through as a church this week because whoever listens is what we're gonna be doing this week. Because as we're going through, you will see there's no back and forth. There's no God, why God. It's God pouring in through us, directly through Proverbs, saying, this is what you need to do. I need you to listen. And if you do that, things will get better. I will get you through it. You will get through this. You should be listening. And that is what we're gonna be doing because God is telling us, listen to me. 
and we need to be doing this. So, Proverbs, and, and bear with me here because I'm going off on a little tangent. Proverbs are very easy to use on a day-to-day basis because all of us have learned these little sayings growing up of drummed into us as kids of something, 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 and they're guideposts. It's, it's here, let me start. You start. I start with this. I'll let you finish it. All good things come to those who wait. The early bird catches the worm. Early to bed, not always the case when you got young kids, I guarantee you. Look before you leap. Okay? These are what Proverbs are to help us navigate those day-to-day landmines, those tricky situations, those bad situations, those good situations. But these are things that we can use in like, oh, Proverbs. A situation at work happens and something where you're questioned on something that maybe you had nothing to do with. How do I react? Proverbs is where you can go to get a quick little remembrance of this is how I navigate this. And today we'll be covering Proverbs 2 through 4. For those that wish to open your Bibles or your apps, I'm not judgmental. I got both. Um, But we're going to be covering 2 through 4 here. And I got slides up here going through all my verses as well. And just because it's me, and I promise you, because it's me, I got a little humor and also some history, because I know if I didn't come up here with history, people would question my sanity at this point. <laughs> so, all right, Proverbs 2 through 5, and we'll go through this starting. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding, furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, If you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. This is the starting point of Proverbs 2. And it should be very, very open to you that God is saying, if. He's he's telling you, if you listen to me you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Next slide. Why don't you stop wondering what's wrong with the world and read the manual? And what that is, for people in here that might not know, this is an archaic device called a newspaper. This was how news used to get out to the people in the world before the advent of cell phones and internet. And then you have a spouse obviously telling them, why are you worrying about the world when you should be reading the manual? If my day starts off with me reading a verse or going through my Bible study or or doing this, it inevitably goes better. Because I am pouring into God and God is pouring back into me to start the day. Now, however... If I go straight to the news, or I scroll through Facebook, or I scroll through something on my phone, or something gets my attention that triggers a notification, any other thing that pops in my way and starts my day, inevitably it becomes by 3 o'clock at my day at work, I'm like, oh, this is one of those days. And the thing is, is that it's not that the day was any worse than the day before when I was reading the Bible and God was pouring into me. It's I was not listening and, and him, letting him guide me the way it should. 
Now, you might be wondering this, is it a choice to follow God every day? God never changes. God is there. God is always doing this. God is always doing everything and has us, but we need to be listening. So that is a choice. If we listen and if we follow him and if we do what he's asking us to do, even when it's hard, that is how we get through the day and live our lives through Christ. Proverbs 2, 9 through 15. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity, every good path, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will delight you. Discretion will watch over you and understand will guard you. It will rescue you from the way of evil, from anyone who says perverse things, from those who abandon the right paths to walk in ways of darkness, from those who enjoy doing evil and celebrate perversion, whose paths are crooked and whose, whose ways are devious. We all have broken human relationships. Every one of us in this room has those. I have friends that go back 30 years that are still very good friends of mine. And I've had relationships with friends that go back that long that have become broken and fallen away and, and down crooked paths. And that is because we as human beings are broken people. We have broken relationships even in the best of times because we as people are broken in some way and we cannot fulfill what God can do. If we do not turn to God and use him as our benchmark for relationships to help us with our human relationships, we will fail. And the same goes for people that don't turn to God but turn to human replacements, they will stumble and fail. You cannot use a human earthly thing or subject or topic to fulfill what God does for you. And what I mean by that is, is that I have a friend named Andy. Almost 30 years we've been friends. And right out of high school, we planned a big trip. It's usually what you do. Went to, we're going to Georgia. We're going to have fun. And, we're gonna, and it was just, you know, celebrate high school and surviving it. Because let's face it, high school is tough. So we go to Georgia in the middle of a drought, and we're camping, and there's dust, and there's fire ants, and he blows out his knee on the first day, and, he's in, and then it starts being dusty, and there's no water at the campsite, and we're sitting around a fire one night, and he says, you know what, at this point, I'm really questioning my life choices. That friendship has endured for 30 plus years because those are the type of conversations we have with each other. We hold each other accountable. If something goes wrong, we reach out, they give us a correction. Sometimes he will tell me, Greg, that was stupid. I will do the same to him. And that is why I believe my relationship with him has endured for 30 plus years. And I've had friends that have reached out to me and asked me for you know, reassurance that they did something right. And I've told them that I don't think you did. Next thing I know, I'm no longer talking to that person. I no longer have a relationship on social media. They are gone but I did my duty as a friend trying to help them through tough times. And sometimes helping them is giving them the tough news that you need to give them. And what I use as my guidepost for friendships here on earth is my friendship with Christ. God is the one that gives me these benchmarks. I'm not gonna reassure someone that's stumbling, that's doing bad choices and saying, that's a good thing to do, you should do more of it. That's not being a believer and that's not being a good friend. Proverbs 3, 3 through 3, 6. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. 
tie them around your neck, write them on your tablet of your heart, then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding in all your ways. Know him and he will make your path straight. What this message is, is you, your, your, you, your, 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 your. That is how many times those words are spoken in this verse. God commanding you, tie them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, then you will find favor. Lord, with all your heart, do not rely on your understanding, your ways, your paths will become straight. This next slide is a little joke, and this is my oldest ma daughter, Maddie. This is what humor finds for her. And then there was the day Ezra the complainer told God he wanted tea with his manna. And that is a manatee crushing Ezra the complainer. This is epic level dad humor. That is what I tell her. And what this joke to me spoke of was, it's not that God was providing free food from heaven to provide for his people. It was Ezra was complaining that he had no tea to go along with his free food. Now, something to keep in mind here in this verse to me is never let your loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Obviously, Ezra left his. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Even when times are tough and God is blessing you, is not the time to turn away and ask for more. Because you need more instead of thanking God for providing for you in some way. Then you will find favor and high regard with God and his people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. How many times have we gone to God complaining of things that did not go the way you want them to? And how easy is, you, is it for you to go to God and complain during those times? One of the hardest things I struggle with, even as a leader in this church and a longtime member of this church, is I go to God when things are bad. I do not go to God as often as I should thanking him for things are good. And that, and that is a failure on my part. And what usually happens is, is that when things are going really good, things are going really good, and I'm enjoying them, and, and I don't think twice about it. When things are bad is when I usually go back and think, you know what, I never thought, thank God for when things were going good. And that usually happens when things are going bad and I'm turning to them. Relying on your own understanding, relying on my own understanding during those times is a failure in things that need to be changed because if you do not thank God and turn to God, even in the good times and the bad times, eventually you will fall off the path. And you will not be able to pour into yourself and your families and your friends and other relationships that you should be as believers. Proverbs 4, 10 through 15. Listen, my son, accept my words, and you will live many years. I'm teaching you the way of wisdom. I'm guiding you on straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Don't let go. Guard it, for it is your life. 
keep on the path of the don't keep off the path of the wicked don't proceed on the way of the evil ones avoid it don't travel on it turn away from it and pass it by now it is goes without saying right now in this day and age it is very easy to wander off to the wicked paths because they're everywhere in this day and age we are seeing unprecedented amounts of connectivity in society. The earlier slide I showed you about the, the newspaper used to be the mass means of information to the public. How many of you have smartphones? Raise your hands. Pretty much everyone under the, over the age of three. On that smartphone alone, on my phone, you have newspapers, now, now on digital. You have Twitter, you have Snapchat, you have TikTok, you have Facebook, you have all these other means of apps and newspaper and, and CNN and NBC and Fox News and, and, and boom, 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 boom. Every single day. It has become the easiest time in the history of recorded mankind to connect to each other. But understanding and relationships have not kept pace with that. Because just because it is easier doesn't mean it becomes more godly, it doesn't become better, it doesn't pour into each other, it doesn't make it easier for you to reach out and help somebody. Because if you notice, everything I just mentioned as a way to connect with each other did not mention one thing, and that was talking face to face. Because it has become so much easier to use all these other means I've told you about, talking face-to-face -face has become the thing people do the least. And that's not to say that these means are, these communication and texts and emails and everything else is something we should discard. We should not do that by any means. Sometimes it's the only way to communicate. We have missionaries overseas right now that send out news bulletins by email. That's good. But instead of talking face-to-face -to, -face to someone that could be sitting right in your front row here today, and instead I send a text, does that have the same meaning? If that person is not here in the front row, why is that person not here? Should I reach out to them by phone? Should I stop by and talk to them? Should I send an email? What do you think is the best way to reach that person? Directly face-to-face -face communication is the most oldest, best way to communicate with people, and it is the one that's fastly disappearing because it's not, it, it makes people uncomfortable sometimes when you gotta have the hard conversations. And it makes it easier for people to discard the teachings and the things you're trying to give them, the hard advice, because it is easier just not to respond to a text than have a face-to-face -face conversation with someone. Hold on to your instruction, on to instruction. Don't let go, guard it for it is your life. Sometimes the hard stuff is stuff we need to face and address, but sometimes it's the hardest thing to do because it hurts the people we care about. Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly. Don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet and for all your ways will be established. Don't turn right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. Now, 
driving aside, when you have to choose right or left, when you're on a path, what is the best way forward? If the path is straight ahead, and I'm over here on the side, is this the safest way? Same goes for the left. If I'm on a path way over here on the edge of it, is it safe? Or being in the middle, keeping your eye on God, centered to avoid the pitfalls is the best way to reach out to somebody. Next slide. Now, granted, this is even dated because that is no longer really impossible anymore. People just Bluetooth the thing. But, dear God, how come I, how come I never can hear your voice? Can someone tell me if God is, if God is all-powerful and omnipotent and, and able to reach out through space and time, is he really not able to connect with this person? Or is this person choosing to turn away from them? Because I could be listening to Christian music or a podcast from Stonebridge on the sermon. I could be looking off a movie, off Fireproof or some other thing. I could be reaching out through any of these millions of communication. This person is choosing to not hear God, and this person is turning away from God and not following the path for him. Now, don't let your mouth speak dishonestly. Don't let your lips talk deviously. Let, lift, let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight. And do not turn away. Again, sometimes being good friends means holding people accountable and helping them make the hard decisions. It is hard to be a Christian. It is, it is hard sometimes to help lift people up and when they stumble again and again and again and try to correct them and try to nicely help them along the way by giving them hard truths they might not want to hear. But it is our duty as believers to do so. Because if we do not do that, we are not following cultivating Christ-centered relationships with each other. Because God is always there, and God is always reaching out, and God is always helping us to the next step in the struggles we face, but God is also there to hold us accountable when we stumble so we do not make the same mistake again. Now, the thing about this is, is that our broken relationships with each other have different levels. It's not always bad, it's not always good. We're human beings, we have good days, bad days, good weeks, bad months, bad years, good years. And in the course of your life as a believer, there will be all sorts of settings and everything else that you need to, to judge and help people with. It could be helping your kids, it could be helping your friends' kids, it could be helping your coworkers, it could be helping your fellow believers, it could be helping any number of people in relationships. And by pouring into God, so God can pour into you, and your relationship with him provides you the guideposts and the corrections and things you need to do to navigate all this. Now, next slide. Now for the history part. Because I want to provide a real life example of how this can be done because Let's face it, cartoons will only get you so far. 
Now, the man you're seeing behind me in this very obviously dated picture is a man named Chiwani Sigohara. Try saying that three times fast. And what he is and what he was is that at the time, in 1939, he was a Christian believer working for the Japanese government as a vice consul in their, what they considered their State Department in 1939. Basically, he was the guy that ran their embassy in Lithuania in 1939. And for anyone in here that does not know Lithuania, Lithuania is basically a small country on the Baltic that's sandwiched between Russia, Poland and Germany, Finland, and basically, remember, this is 1939, this is a bad place to be. World War II is about ready to break out. Now, he is a believer. In his college days, he joined a university in a Christian fraternity that was founded by a Baptist pastor named Henry Benehoff to improve his English, and he became a believer and was later posted to not only uh, northern China, but Russia and everything in the Baltic. And believe it or not, this is one of the good things because as a believer, as a Christian at that time, it was very, very deadly to be posted anywhere but the foreign service in Japan because Japan at the time was ruled by the military and the Bushido Code, which was followed service to the nation, military, basically what led to Pearl Harbor and everything else. So as a Christian, he was valued in the foreign service and posted overseas and it probably saved his life in the long term. So anyway, he's posted to Lithuania. He's 1939, war's about ready to break out, and on no certain terms has he been ordered by his leaders in Tokyo to not get involved because China is in the middle of a war with Japan. Japan is, al is signed an agreement with Russia because they have border skirmishes, so they don't want to cross Russia. They are Japan is allied with Germany, the Nazis, so they don't want to irrit irritate them, and Russia and Finland to the north are currently fighting a war. There is literally war happening everywhere around Lithuania. And his orders are, do not get involved. Now, his posting means that at the time, thousands of Jewish refugees are fleeing Europe. Thousands of Jewish refugees are desperately trying to get out of Europe, and the only way you're allowed to get out of Europe is into other countries is have a visa from another country allowing you to travel. If you do not have a visa, a passport, you do not get out of Europe. Now, Sugahara knows this, and he's been ordered not to do anything. And he has thousands of Jewish refugees from not only Germany, but Poland and Russia and everywhere else desperately trying to get out of, out of Europe and get out to safety and save their families. Knowing this and knowing what was the consequences if he disobeyed, what he decided to do was to do the thing that he biblically thought was honest and truthful and he starts issuing passports and visas. By hand, he starts pulling 20-hour days to stamp visas so Tokyo doesn't find out about it to start issuing to Jewish refugees and their families to get them out. Handwriting these. So every person that leaves has to have a passport or a visa signed by him. And he starts issuing, and people find out, and he gets even more. And eventually, Tokyo finds out and recalls him. He is at the train station going back home, all the way across Russia to get back to Tokyo. He is flooded with Jewish refugees at the train station, reaching into the window, and he is stamping and signing and throwing them out the window. 
as people are pleading and begging to get these to save their kids' lives. Now, this is not without consequences for Sugihara. After the war, he is captured by the Russians, and he ends up per almost two years into a Soviet gulag because he is a Tokyo-appointed Japanese ambassador. And remember, they're on the bad side during World War II. So two years in a Russian gulag. He then gets released and goes back home, has no way, he's dismissed from the service because they do not want attention brought to the fact being they denied Jewish refugees out of Europe, and he did this on his own authority. He ends up selling light bulbs across Europe for an electrical company for two more years before he's able to find jobs. And he later spends 15 years all of Japan providing for his family overseas doing sales jobs. It was the only work he could find because he was disallowed back in Japan. He could not provide for his family back home, so he had to be posted overseas to provide for his family living back in Japan to recover from the war. After the war and after everything happened and he started getting recognition, he passed away. Now, I remind you, because this was disallowed in Japan, no one back home knew what he had done. It was only when the Israeli ambassador and Jewish representatives from across the world came to his funeral in his own hometown did they find out what he did. And this is what he said when asked about this. You want to know about my motivation, don't you? Well, it is the kind of sentiments anyone would have when he actually sees refugees face to face begging them with tears in their eyes. He can just not help but sympathize with them. Among the refugees were the elderly and women People in Tokyo were not united. I felt silly to deal with them, so I made up in my mind not to wait for their reply. I knew that somebody would surely complain about it, me in the future, but I myself thought this would be the right thing to do. There is nothing wrong in saving many people's lives. The spirit of humanity, philanthropy, neighborly friendship, with this spirit I ventured to do what I did, confronting this most difficult situation. Because of this reason, I went ahead with redoubled courage. It is estimated that he saved over 6,000 lives in 1939 when World War II broke out. Today, it is estimated that over 100,000 people owe their lives to Sugihara because of what he did. And he is revered in Israel as a, as a righteous among the nations for what he did. Now, his son and Sugihara, both before his death, have made it abundantly clear they never heard an old prophet's version from God to do and what he did. What he did acknowledge and what he was very proud of and what he told people was is that his teachings and his path from university through the Christian fraternity to his postings to his belief guided his actions during this time frame. And it was God working through him, get him out of Japan for his own safety, post him to a little-known post in Lithuania where no one really thought anything could happen, and he saved thousands of lives that impact the world to this day. Because of his relationship with Christ and God, he was able to do this. And he suffered for it, but he did it. And the world is better for him for doing it. And that is how our relationship with God can help you in day-to-day -day struggles and big things from world wars to helping someone with addiction, to helping a friend that's going through divorce, any of those things. Your relationship with Christ can help you, and it can lead you, and it can give you strength to help with those difficult things. Now, this teaching from Christ, you can go to the final slide, Jacob.
is not telling us that we will pass through trials unharmed. By listening to him, we will be sure-footed and, and safe and we'll arrive home in the end. That is the guarantee. So navigating the hard things doesn't mean we'll come out unharmed, but we will arrive home eventually, safe and sound. It has been said several times from this very stage over the years that being a believer can be hard, it can be tough, especially in today's world of social pressures, but your best earthly relationships are going to be built on the teachings from this very same stage. From Matt, from other pastors that we invite here, from Josh, me not so much. Work with other people before you come to meet people. I guarantee you, you will get better service first before you come to Greg Piglap. Righteousness, justice, integrity, every good path is not the easiest path, but the good path. And those relationships we have here on earth, our best pattern in our relationship with God is always the goal to be strived for. Your best friend in God can help lift you up, can lead you, advise you, and make not only your path straighter and better, but those around you every single day. And that is who you should turn to every single day. Anything that you need can be found in here and your fellow believers in this room because they can relate to you in some way. And I urge you to do so. Let's pray. God, we, we call on you not always when we should, but we call on you when we need to. And we call on you when you need you see the need in us even when we don't see it in ourselves. That your relationship with us, to us, helps relationships in this room and around the world in small ways and big ways that we cannot even comprehend, Lord. Keeping to the path you set before us helps us, helps guide us, gives us strength, and helps us become better people and believers for your church here at Stonebridge, but also from Boone to across the world, to Taiwan, to overseas, to other missions, to anything else that we do is in your name, is through you and our relationship. And Lord, we thank you for that every single day. Amen. Amen. Well, you guys